Welcome. Once again, it's The Yard Sign, the most important and relevant podcast in politics. Your host is always Johnny Torres. We appreciate you for joining us on a very eventful week. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, we're going to get into, of course, the George Floyd protests and uh, the ensuing riots that followed uh, and that continue to happen throughout the country. Uh, we're also going to touch on the Corona Vanish. You know, did this thing all of a sudden just disappear? Or are we obviously focused on, you know, the next uh, media's obsession, which is, of course, these protests that are happening uh, around the country. Uh, the new space race, we had a successful launch uh, from right across the state over in Cape Canaveral. Uh, so congratulations to SpaceX and NASA. We'll pick that apart a little bit, including uh, what's happening on the other side of the world. And we're going to pick apart a little bit uh, to our best efforts as far as what's happening in Hong Kong and China, how that's going to affect the global economy and the American economy. Uh, given what's happened again, tying it back to some of this coronavirus stuff. So needless to say, a full show, uh, but we're probably going to spend quite a bit of it talking about uh, this first issue. And, uh, and that's why you know, we, we welcome back a good friend of the show, good friend of mine, and, and uh, certainly somebody you know, we wanted to hear from in the midst of what's happening right now. Uh, Chris Chambers is going to open up the show with his thoughts on George Floyd and the protests happening throughout the country. All right, thank you, Jonathan, for having me again. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so yeah, the, I know George Floyd, that is on the front page of every newspaper, on every TV, and, and what happened in Minnesota to, to George, it, it, it was just terrible. That, that was murder, ha hands down. And when, when we look to law enforcement, you know, I'm a previous law enforcement officer, we look for them to protect us and keep us safe. And in that case, they, they did not do that. I, I feel that all four of the officers should be arrested and prosecuted because all of them uh, had a part in that. You know, the other officers standing around could, could have stopped that from, from happening. So now we're seeing the, the reaction to that across the United States. Uh, you know, people are mad, people are pissed off, pissed off and rightfully so. Uh, we see the protests, uh, but with the protests, we're seeing the, the rioters and the agitators with that. And it's taken away from, from, the, from the message. You know, we got a little bit of taste of that over the last couple of nights here in Tampa, you know, burning down stores. And, and, and they're really, the, the riders, I'm not gonna call them protesters. I think we have, you know, different groups we have the protesters and we have the riders and the agitators. And the riders and the agitators, they come in, they take away from the message and, and they're destroying businesses in their own community. And, uh, and with the agitators, I think you have some, some, some leftists in there, the, the Antifa and, and Trump uh, deemed them a terrorist organization uh, within the, uh, this weekend, and then I think you have some agitators uh, from the, 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 the far right as well. I think you have it on both sides, and it's just taken away from the message, and uh, it's, it's really disheartening to see that taking place in our own city, but, you know, throughout the United States, so that, that, that's my statement. That's how I feel about it. Uh, you know, my, my heart, my condolences go out to the, to the, the George Floyd's family, but what we're seeing now is, is, is taken away from the message of his death. Thank you, uh, Chris, for opening uh, with that. And, uh, you know, uh, not to diminish their roles, of course, uh, but uh, we've got our usual cast of characters on today's show. Uh, of course, we just heard from Chris Chambers. Uh, right to my uh, left, right, whichever way it is, we've got Anibal Cabrera uh, down in the other bottom square. We've got Christopher Verkylin. And, uh, and uh, I just want to go ahead and continue this topic uh, with you, Chris Chambers. And, I think what I'm seeing, and I think a lot of people are appreciating 
um, in regards to what's happening. Obviously, uh, the overwhelming majority of people don't want to see the riots. They don't want to see property destruction. They don't want to see this type of violence happening in their communities. But we are seeing both the protesters and the public start to make a distinction between the protesters, as you just said, the rioters, and now even taking it a step farther as to some of these other organizations that are infiltrating the movement, infiltrating these protests, basically hijacking it um, to advance their own agenda. You know, we're, we heard from the president this week talking about uh, listing Antifa as a terrorist organization. There's obviously speculation that there may be other organizations similarly involved. Uh, Chris, you know, do you see that maybe this could be, you know, the, the, the turning point on this particular topic? Because, you know, I've also had, I would say, maybe a turning of the corner, a change of heart on, on, on the way I'm perceiving these issues, because we are now seeing it seemingly so much more frequently because of the prominence of social media. Um, and like, like Will Smith, you know, was, has been quoted all over the Internet saying it's not that racism has gotten worse. It's that it's being filmed. Um, you know, there, there was no necessity for what happened to George Floyd. There was no need for what happened to Ahmaud Arbery. There was no need for what happened um, to, uh, and I'm, I, I'm terrible, I'm forgetting her name right now, the nurse in Kentucky, you know, who was- Brianna uh, Taylor. Brianna Taylor, exactly right. Yeah. You know, who was a victim of a, a, a raid put on by the police. Um, and then she, unarmed, you know, became a, casually in, a casualty in that incident. Uh, and so uh, do you feel that now that the, the protesters, you know, the movement that's trying to seek change in, in this issue, making that distinction between the rioters and the protesters is going to help advance uh, that cause, advance that message? I think the, with the, the, the agitators and the, and the rioters getting involved, I, I think it's definitely taken away from the message. And I think, uh, you know, I was watching a press conference with uh, Grady Judd uh, earlier this afternoon where he, he showed, uh, identified some of the agitators, just the different gear that they were dressed in, you know, uh, clothing, professional masks. Uh, and these people are coming in to, to take away from the message and just cause more divide in our country that, that, than there is right now. And, and it's taken away from the, the issues of racism in America. Like, yeah, it, it's, I, it's it's a problem. It's a big problem, and I think you uh, you have a few uh, bad cops out there who go and act out, whether it be in racism or abuse their power. And now you're starting to see more and more of these instances happen. And it's, the African American community is pissed off, and they they want to voice uh, voice their feelings, their frustration with it, and with peaceful protests. But then when you have these people come in, the riders and the agitators, now the focus is now shifted on them and where they're getting the funding from uh, to come out and, and disrupt and help tear down our communities and cities. So that, that conversation shifts to them and it's moving, it's diminishing the, 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 the main point here of the, the racial injustices in the community, uh, how African-American people ha have been held back for years and, and that's taken away from it that really needs to be addressed. But now we're focusing all the attention on the riders and the looting and the stealing. So yes, it, it definitely diminishes from the story and it's important as we all as, as Americans stay on track to help make this, this, this country better and, and tackle some of these, these issues that, that we're dealing with. Well, and I'll come out and say, I think you know, these, the bad cops in these scenarios, I truly believe are 
1% of the entire police force, possibly Absolutely. even less, right? But when there are fatalities at stake, obviously something needs to be done. Uh, in particular, with the with the 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 police officer who murdered George Floyd, um, we're seeing that he had almost 20 incidents uh, reported against him, uh, and yet he was still allowed to practice law on the streets. Um, and and so there's obviously a problem within the policing culture, right? And again, it's it 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 may be just the one percent or less. Uh, throughout the country, but there's obviously some sort of problem there. And what astonishes me is is that even given what's happening right now, that the city of Tampa, to kind of localize it a little bit in Hillsborough County, um, I think it was the city of Tampa, still voted down to uh, make sure that uh, the police officers were wearing cameras. And and I think this day and age, I think if anything, we we need to multiply the transparency that we're expecting from right. our police officers to gain that public trust back and to try to make inroads again in the communities where they feel that they 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 are in danger when it comes to the police versus being uh, in in safety uh, when right. it comes to the police. Now, now in in defense of the uh, police department, I can't speak for the, the the sheriffs, but I know for Tampa Police Department, that came down to a funding issue. Everything re related with uh, COVID nineteen, they were actually in the in the procurement process and and, and doing the evaluations. So everything that happened with COVID, it kind of shifted that back to the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, I can't speak for the sheriff's office any uh, what their uh, reasoning for not having cameras. But uh, I, I like to think from, from what I've seen across America, I, I do think that the law enforcement agencies here, uh, Tampa Police Department, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, I, I think they have some great, great training where we, we kind of don't see those, those issues, uh, the, the use of, of force, that abuse, uh, and other racial issues like we see in, in other parts of America. And I, I think Tampa is, is such a diverse community where I, I think they're trained real good how, on how to uh, encounter different people in different races and backgrounds. So fortunately, we, 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 don't, we don't see that and uh, thankful for that. But that, that, we can't, that doesn't mean that we can't turn a blind eye to what's going on. We might not see it with our law enforcement departments, but it, it happens. It, it, it's here and we just can't turn a blind eye to it. Well, you're, you're a nicer guy than I because, uh, you know, I'll call things out when I see them. And, and I, I would say, yes, currently, I would say we're, we're in a pretty good place when it comes to the Tampa Police Department. Um, you know, but I find some irony in the fact that, you know, we have Mayor Jane Castor um, in, in, this, in the middle of this situation who's been, in my opinion, a disappointment even in regards to the coronavirus and her handling of that. But uh, also someone that was under a lot of scrutiny not too long ago because, you know, there was heavy enforcement uh, under uh, her leadership of the city of Tampa Police Department where she was uh, arresting and fining an overwhelmingly large amount of, of black people uh, for bicycling. You know, these were like jaywalking and, and bicycling and, you know, these these minor infractions. And I think that to me is, 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 is chipping at, you know, this very issue. This, this, this is kind of how these problems start out. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and I remember that that was, you know, a few years ago when that wasn't too long ago. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, DOJ got it, got involved and investigated it. I'm, I'm not sure what the results of that were, but uh, yeah. And uh, I think it was a lot of enforcement in the African-American community of people not having bicycle lights 
which it, which is a is is a infraction. You can be be stopped. That's probable cause for officer to stop you and and, and issue issue a citation. And he was saying that a lot of that happened, uh, you know, in, predominantly in the African American community. But you also have to look at where it was happening at. Uh, you know, most likely people probably couldn't afford bike lights or or what have you was the reason for their stops. But I'm pretty sure if you went down to, to Davis Island, you know, most people have lights on their bikes down there. You got to look at exactly where it was taking place. And uh, uh, I know that's been put in the past, and I, I definitely you have, you have a valid point. But uh, and I think that helped that situation help enhance the training for the town police officers uh, at TPD. Yeah, I would say that was a good, uh, you know, kind of turning point and saying, hey, look, this is obviously a, a, a problem that disproportionately affects certain people in our community. They got rid of the policy um, and, and, and decided to try to make amends, you know, in regards to how that was handled. So you're right. You're absolutely right there. Uh, Chris Verkylan, um, you know, uh, it, I, obviously I, I get your sense of humor, but it's obviously a very serious uh, issue that we're talking about here in regards to the riots and, uh, and, and the more violent and destructive aspects of, of what's been happening over the, the past few days. Um, you know, give us some idea on your perspective. Uh, you're, you're obviously well equipped to handle this situation, um, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's the sad reality that we're currently in. Chris, I think we are, we, we lost your uh, audio there. We'll, uh, yeah, go ahead and work on that and we'll get back to you. And Ebel, uh, you know, also, you know, uh, both of us kind of live very close to the downtown area where a lot of these protests were happening. Give us some of your perspective on kind of what's been unfolding over the past few days. So on my side, I feel that what has occurred is, is something that's gone out of control. I think we all can agree that everyone should have the right to protest no matter what your opinion is on the matter. We fully agree with that. That is the system that we live in and how we will um, respect each other. I also want to point out that about 94% of the country agrees with the arrest of the police officers that were, uh, the four police officers that were involved in the um, inappropriate, in the, in the resulting in the death. And this is a where people should have taken advantage of where you have from Sean Hannity to Rush Limbaugh all agreeing that the police officers that were involved in the, the murder um, should be held accountable, should go to trial, should be prosecuted. It was a Democratic um, AG that decided to not um, um, put up charges. It was a, a very Democrat-leaning um, state and city that were dragging their feet when it came to this. And I think a lot of people are not understanding that concept, is that what's happening there is not reflective of what's happening in Tampa, Florida, or what's happening in New York, or what's happening in, in other parts of the country. I don't agree that you can we can put all the police officers in one basket and automatically use that as, as, the, as the blunt object. But I also agree that not all pro protesters are of the same cut from the same cloth as well. So there are definitely agitators that are taking advantage of the situation when it comes to um, certain cities, a lot of cities that did not take what was happening very seriously. They were, their mayors and their, their, their state senators were out in the streets protesting with the protesters, thinking that that was going to resolve them of anything or make it to where they weren't gonna protest. And then they allowed themselves to be put in a situation to now they all have egg on their face because 
these neighborhoods and these communities that already are having difficulties economically, they're having difficulties when it comes to their own security, are now are engulfed in flames. The, the saddest part of this whole situation was watching the interview of a woman that lived in the assisting housing in Minneapolis, Minnesota, that got burned down. This is an elderly black woman that now doesn't have a home to live in because the protesters burnt her house down. That doesn't, that doesn't advance anyone's cause. That just solidifies everyone's position of, well, you're diminishing what happened. And I say this now as, as, as more as an opinion, is that this will cause a ripple effect in the community and the country at large, where you'll see that now that uh, violence has been, has been involved in this, now that looting has been brought into this concept, it is now diminishing the movement that was happening and taking away that power and shifting the conversation completely. <clears throat> We're still working on Christopher Kylan's uh, audio, so uh, I'll toss it back to Chambers here uh, really quick. We, of course, are seeing this George Floyd incident, uh, what, maybe two weeks after what we saw happen in Georgia with Ahmaud Arbery. And now, of course, uh, some people are separating the two incidents, you know, because uh, they obviously there were very different circumstances involved, right? right. You, know, but, you know, but again, to me, you know, I'm seeing, oh, looks like we got you uh, back on, uh, Chris, for Kyle. Um, all right, hang tight. Um, but uh, why, why such a different reaction, in your opinion, uh, Chambers, uh, between George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery? Is it because, you know, the, these were what I guess you could consider two private citizens versus obviously police officers? I mean, is that the main component here between these two incidents? I, I, I think it's uh, it's both. I think uh, the, the George Floyd situation was more so, more or less, like the, the final straw. You know, I think there's been a, a couple of incidents over the couple of weeks has happened where I mean, you had protests uh, in Georgia, uh, not to this magnitude. You had that situation, and then you had the situation in Kentucky with Breonna Taylor uh, being killed. And I think you know, with George Floyd, and that's just being the police you know, uh, opposed to just two, uh, you know, white guys who were racist and took the law into their own hands. And now you have uh, another African-American male dying at the hands of police. I think that's more like the final straw. Like, okay, the police are supposed to be here to protect us. You know, you know there's been uh, historic issues of, of African-Americans uh, being wrongly treated, killed uh, by the police. So I think that's more like the final straw. And uh, the protest took off, and I did not expect the the reaction that we that we're seeing now across America with the protest. But I just feel a lot of people felt they need to voice their voice, uh, their opinions, and, and wanted to be heard and, and talk about the issues of the racial inequalities, uh, not just by the the law enforcement, but but by whether it's the two uh, men in Georgia who who chase uh, Mr. Aubrey down or whoever. I just I think it was like the final straw, and they felt they wanted to voice their opinions. All right. Uh, Christopher Kylan, I think we got you up and running now, buddy. Um, you know, you're ready to go for these protests. Uh, uh, I know that, uh, you know, this certainly in a lot of ways, we're seeing some footage uh, across the country of people defending their communities, defending their businesses uh, in these kind of situations. What's your take on kind of how this has transpired and, and, and your perspective on it? So to mirror what you've all said uh, regarding the agitators versus the protesters, that is a damn shame because, all right, so personally, I've done a lot of research on statistics regarding uh, 
police brutality, uh, law enforcement, uh, fatal encounters. And you can take this one of two ways, the message I'm gonna give you just now is, you can take it as a negative message or a very, very positive message. And that message is, is that police brutality uh, towards black people or towards anybody, extraordinarily rare. Like, so we've had some instances recently and that sucks that it's been so uh, consistent recently, but your chance of being killed by a police officer in the United States is 0.00005% on average. A little bit more for black people, a little bit less for, for white people. Um, a lot of it has to do with um, income or the, where, where you live as opposed to your race. So in, the, in those cases of that 0.00005%, there's say three or four per year that are unjustified. Most of those can be justified by, by the police. And the fact that we conflate um, these ones that are justified, people who are genuinely criminals who are performing bad acts and police have to defend themselves in the community, we can't combine those statistics together. It's, it's not fair to police, it's not fair to society to do that, to say our system is that broken. Um, so I think that if people were to know the actual stats, and that this is very uncommon, and that people generally, police generally want to help you and don't want to shoot you, because they don't want any part of this. If I were a cop, I wouldn't want any part of this kind of incident. Um, but when you look at the community, uh, you look at the amount of looters and violent criminals that we've seen in the past few days, is it a stretch to think that these people are all a bunch of saints every other day of the year? Hell no. The, the police do a damn good job of dealing with them without hurting them, and they're used, they're, they're the, for, the, the force they have to use. Um, I don't see how we can't accept that people like the ones we've seen in the last few days uh, have tendencies to be sociopathic or violent or disrespectful of society to a point that they will not interact with the means by which our laws and society decided on are enforced on a day-to-day -day basis. So congratulations, America. You've got an insight in the last few days on the everyday activities of police and what they deal with and the people that they, they have to encounter every single day. So I can toss that back to you with one last thing. Um, Tampa Bay has no reason to be protesting. The amount of officers that have died in this region because of being killed by criminals is staggering. We've had, I wanna say, at least six in the last four to five years. Uh, the amount of people that have been killed by the police uh, unjustly is zero. Uh, so I think that's something too important to reflect on and be very appreciative in Tampa Bay about. Uh, I'll toss it back to you, Johnny. Let me know what you think about that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, again, I think uh, the, the, the overall sentiment, you know, behind the protests uh, is the, the fact that really there's no reason why, you know, again, unless the, the police officers felt that their life was at stake, that there should be a fatality, especially once that individual has been placed under arrest. And that's, that's some of the pattern of behavior that we're seeing specifically when it comes to Eric Garner and when it comes to George Floyd. And, and, and there's a few other individuals where they have been placed under arrest and because of the use of you know excessive force, which is the term everybody's been using on this, is uh, you know that the, his death was unnecessary uh, because it wasn't in self-defense. Um, you know, and 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 so you have to wonder: is is like at what point you know do you say okay, this is this is either it's a, a, a procedural problem or it's a cultural problem, you know? But there's some problem here that 
you know, you're going to tell me that once this person has been handcuffed, once this person has been pinned to the ground, you know, that that somehow additional force is needed, you know, in, in that kind of a situation. And that's, again, where I think people are saying that, you know, this particular officer and the ones that, you know, were were also involved, you know, in this particular incident, you know, went too far. Uh, Nebel, go ahead. Again, you're coming from, Jonathan. However, I also completely understand where, where Chris Chambers and uh, Chris is also coming from. There's no reason why we should be uh, putting all these individuals into one basket. It's like saying that because I have one bad teacher, the, the entire teaching, the entire school system should be brought down to its knees because of something. Also, to continue to hear the word systemic, um, system, uh, systemic violence or systemic racism within our system is actually something that is is really bothering me because the people that are saying, the leaders that are saying that are the ones in charge of the systems that they're talking about. So if they are saying that something is has a systemic racist part in it, then they need to be the ones that are changing it. This is a perfect example when it comes to our current mayor. It, she was the, the, the chief of police for the Tampa, Tampa Police Department. Does she believe that her system and her department is systemically racist? No, I'm gonna say that she doesn't believe that. Why? Because she ran it. Now, were there problems that were in, in the police system and we were able to see that because of what was uh, filed after the investigation? Yes, and courses were corrected. But to do such a blanket statement of making that the entire US justice system is racist or to make some kind of blanket statements like that is unjust for the hundreds of thousands of people that work in the system, hundreds of thousands of police officers and others that are in they're trying to do their best to protect their communities, their families, and their fellow brothers in blue. And I think that's something that people throw out completely out of, out of whack when they go into this. I, I, again, I will always defend people's right to protest. Do I agree that someone in Tampa has, should be protesting? Not really, but they are, they are going to protest, and they're allowed to protest. That's why we have these constitutional rights and amendments to protect them. But the moment it gets violent, the moment it, it deviates from what it needs to get done and the objective, then it becomes a problem. And the police department needs to be there to then rectify that, that situation and take out the 20, 30, or maybe 100 people that are causing the mischief. We have video, we have photos, we have all the evidence to see who was causing the mischief. And it is a cornucopia of races. So it's not like it was just white, it was just black people uh, rioting and, and looting or it's just, no, it was a group of people, white, black, all of them. So it's, and again, the people that are normally rioting in these situations have no political affiliation whatsoever. Study after study of what happens at the, what the aftermaths of what happens of a riot, the people that were looting don't care about politics. They were taking advantage of the situation. The communities that were protesting and then were looted um, in the 60s, only 4% of African-Americans actually believed that the riots that occurred at the end of the 60s per, um, um, was beneficial for their communities. Again, if you want to look back and see what's happened in the past, the 60s is a perfect example of what happened in the beginning of the 60s and how the end of the 60s occurred. And as there's more violence that occurs, the state and the local officials become more um, police active and they cramp down on civil liberties. And you went from having the Democratic presidents of the early 60s to then having a Republican president because of their, the actions of violence pushed American society towards the more conservative positions. Well, thank you for, for that, you know, and, and again, I think I opened up. You're muted. Yep. 
I opened up the show with the same statement, which again, this is, you know, less than 1% of our overall police force when it comes to, you know, these types of incidents. And, um, but I think this is where social media uh, helps and also exacerbates the problem, really, because I mean, it does accomplish both here. It brings to light that, hey, these are problems, these are incidents that are happening around the world, around the country. I mean, there's even protests happening uh, today uh, in London and in, in the United Kingdom, you know, and uh, and so, you know, what bothers me certainly is when people try to make pretend that, you know, racism is somehow a uniquely American problem, you know, when, uh, I mean, pretty much you can throw a rock and hit a country that, that has racial problems. Um, but <clears throat> that being said, you're right, it, it's, a, it's an incredibly small percentage. Um, but again, when you look at the fact that you know, at the end of the day, these are still fatalities uh, that are unnecessary in most cases. Um, you know, that's that's where again the community has a right to be angry and they have a right to uh, to to protest, uh, not riot, not destroy things uh, or incite violence, but they do absolutely have every single right to protest uh, until they see some sort of effort being made to rectify the problem. Um, on that note, we, <clears throat> go ahead, Chris. A bit on that, so. One thing that I've learned, and all of us have been involved in changing government for the better, as far as I like to, like to think. Um, so one thing I'll have to share with what the agitators and the, the can be doing is we have to think about how government and how these things are affected for the positive. You go to city council meetings, you go on police ride-alongs, you go to police academy and you enforce the law. You just do it as you see fit so you can uh, enforce the law so it's not done in a bad manner. Um, this is the difference we have to make and people need to have that message delivered to them about the proper way and the effective ways to change government and policing for the better. So if we can get that message out there to somebody somehow, that would be wonderful. If there weren't violent people at these protests, I would love to go down and share a positive message and ask people to do these kind of things to affect the community for the better and do it themselves, not expect someone else to do it for them. Uh, and and just uh, to, to bring it back over to you, Chris Chambers, one more time on this topic um, before we kind of start to transition out of it. Um, I would say that you start to lose the public support on a protest like this, on an incident like this, when you do start to destroy things, when you start to destroy the community and its businesses. Uh, Washington, D.C. saw, you know, a fire break out in St. John's Cathedral, um, you know, right across the street, basically, from the White House. Um, we're seeing, you know, again, public housing buildings. We're seeing uh, locally owned, minority owned businesses being burned down. And I think that's when you start to lose the public support and you start to lose the message. Um, what, uh, again, as, as uh, you know, you know, aside from, you know, well, Anibal and I, you know, we're of Hispanic descent, but again, our experience is very different than that of anyone in the black community uh, for, for obvious reasons. Um, for people that do want to better understand this issue, be supportive, you know, in terms of, you know, understanding where the community is coming from, where people are coming from in terms of their anger and their frustration uh, after an incident like this. What, what, what is your recommendation as to uh, the best approach to, to gain a better understanding and be supportive uh, after an incident like this? Well, I think the best way is to, to, to seek out your African-American friends and, and just have a genuine honest, open conversation about 
their experiences, what they would like to see. I, I think that's such an uncomfortable uh, topic and situation for a, a lot of people. Uh, I saw something uh, this weekend where uh, Titus O'Neill and Batista, the sheriff and the chief, they got together and they just had a, a frank, open conversation. And, and that's how you that's how you get to understand and maybe get out of that bubble and understand there, you know, there, there actually are some issues here, but nobody likes to talk about that. But things won't happen until those frank, honest conversations take place. And to follow up on one thing, you know, uh, and and Chris said, you know, why are people in Tampa Bay uh, uh, protesting? I, they're not just protesting the, the killing of George Floyd. I think people are protesting because African-American men are dying. And, and, and you know, Chris said, well, it, it just started happening. There was a little uptick as of late, but he goes back to, you know, your quote, which you said, Will Smith says, it, it, it's not like racism, you know, just started. It's, it's just being filled. And even though that fraction, that percentage uh, that he gave is just so low of your chance uh, being killed by the police, which I'm, I'm aware of that statistic. I used to be a police officer, but in, in one too much, if, if one black person died at the hands of the police this year, uh, how do you think their family would like to hear that? Oh, well, the statistics are very low. At, at that point, they could care less because that person was a loved one to them. So uh, I'll, I'll just close on, on, on that. Yeah, well, it, you know, and, and to your point, you know, societally, there have been things that have been done legislatively at all levels of government uh, that have put more black men in jail um, and that have killed more black men in the community, uh, again, disproportionately to any other race in this country. And, uh, and that's something that I think uh, in some ways is only just now starting to really be looked at and in some ways be addressed. You know, we saw the president obviously work with uh, some, some leaders in, in the community in passing criminal justice reform. Uh, I think that's a step in the right direction. We're seeing some efforts made here in Florida as well you know, to try to, again, uh, kind of rectify some of the wrongs that have been done legislatively that have put more people in, in jail uh, disproportionately from the Black community over the these past, you know, decades or generations. Um, and so, uh, again, I, I hope that in the midst of these uh, protests and riots that the message isn't lost. And, and so for right now, I think there, there certainly is still a focus on, on not George Floyd, but George Floyd kind of being the latest example of a, a greater problem that we have, even larger than it being a police culture problem in itself. You know, uh, it, it, again, it's, it's not just a police pro policing problem. Uh, there are legislative issues here um, at every level of government that have perpetuated and uh, and and actually uh, created a bigger problem, you know, in all of this. Uh, so. and, and, and Chris brought up a great point. You know, if, if you want to see change in your community, don't depend on anybody else. Get out there and, and make a stand. Go to your city council meetings. Get involved in, in politics. You know, right now we're having a lot of external uh, influence coming into our city causing disruption. That has nothing, and they have no political affiliation whatsoever. If you want to make that change, get 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 involved. And you know, we've talked about this before. I, I just feel your local level politics play, plays the biggest impact uh, on your life. If you want to see change and affect change, you know, I can hear people complaining about who's in the White House, this and that. But I can ask them. So who's your city councilman? Who's your county commissioner? And if they can't answer that question for me, to me. They, they don't have a right to complain about who's in the White House because your local government affects your day-to-day -day life at a much greater impact than who's ever in the White House. 
Yeah, and look, if you live in Minneapolis, uh, if you live in Minnesota, you need to be looking at those leaders and saying, okay, even if we vote these people out, are we going to be voting in the same type of individual into those positions? And I think they really need to uh, take an assessment of who they're voting for. Um, and, and honestly, I'll throw the partisan side out the window because, uh, you know, again, uh, you can throw everybody out of office, but if you just replace them with more of the same, you're just perpetuating the problem. Anibal, go ahead. I will say this. I, I, I understand what Chambers is saying, and I agree with this position. The problem is, though, I also believe that any life and every life that is taken should, is a problem. And I, I want to be able to expand on that conversation more because I feel that that's what is a hook, is a, is a hang up for a lot of individuals in the country is that every life is special and every life is equal and every life is a child of God. And because of that, we have to be, that's where you hear people getting upset or they feel that their own communities are getting marginalized when the focus is just on one, um, just on one race. And I don't want to talk about race. I want to talk about us being able to fix the these communities and these organizations and be able to bring people into the conversation and bring them up. That's the whole point of this American experience is to bring it up and to see. And and one more point, I'll, and I'll end with this on my side is that I. I think it's it's quite funny to see everyone virtual signaling on Facebook or on social media with their particular um, post or quote about MLK or Martin Luther King Jr. when it comes to to violence and everything else. But they either don't remember or don't feel that it's necessary to read the rest of his statements or his speeches when he himself says that any additional rioting that occurs just gives more votes to um, McGovern. So, um, I'm sorry, to George, um, Wall, Wall, George Wallace? George Wallace uh, during the elections of uh, 1968. So again, he himself said that there's no benefit when it comes to rioting. He himself said there's no point, there's no um, political, and he was a, a, a great political tactician when it came to uh, galvanating the country and pushing society to where it needed to go at that time. And again, any time that violence is entered, it loses the conversation. It's like you trying to have a debate and you just start cursing because you, you don't, because you've lost the argument. Everyone knows you lose the argument when you get violent. And that's what's happening in this situation. I don't want what the protesters are, are advocating for to be lost because of violence. They have the same right to protest as I have the same right to protest when we get upset on certain aspects. And again, in uh, last week, 94% of the country was on the same page that needed to happen. And now, less than a week, we have com it's completely fallen apart. So uh, one of the side effects um, has been the uh, coronavirus, you know, that the, the media has suddenly stopped talking about. Of course, now that things are starting to calm down, we are hearing about uh, you know, what is going to be the uh, cause and effect uh, when it comes to coronavirus after all these riots and protests that we're seeing. Um, and that is obviously going to be a major issue. Um, but uh, again, I mean, I think at least here in Florida, uh, given where our numbers were headed, uh, given uh, the, the timing of all of this, obviously it's no longer uh, the biggest public concern at the moment. Um, but do we see this being a flare-up uh, of this coronavirus down the down the road or uh, or again is this going to be something that is it going to be an I told you so 
uh, to a lot of the people who had been using scare tactics about this virus in the first place. Um, if there does, if there isn't a flare up uh, after all these protests and riots have been taking place and people obviously in close quarters without any protection. Well, for about seven days, everyone forgot about Rona. And I would want us to continue to not to forget about the coronavirus. It is something that is still out in the ether. People that are in um, vulnerable communities, elderly, those that have underlying health situations, uh, Need to continue to protect themselves. I th again, the 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 glee, the joy of the media weeks ago during Memorial Day weekend of them getting upset of the beaches being full and people going out to restaurants and then condemning that kind of action. And now to hear there's no mention at all about them um, concerns of the coronavirus spreading uh, with these protests is is mind boggling. These people don't have masks, or the majority of them don't have masks. They're not standing six feet apart, God forbid, um, that they would get the same attention and ridicule if it was from um, those that were going over on the beach. And I get it, these are two separate situations. One is you're doing it for pleasure. The other one you're doing, you're doing to express your civil disability, dis disobedience. But again, when it was the right protesting um, and, and pushing for our civil liberties to be reinstored, you had, again, the media pushing, saying that you guys are gonna cause an outbreak and a spread. And now when it's on the left, the media is nowhere to be found. There's, there's no leadership whatsoever what's happening now, from coronavirus to the, to the riots and to looting. There's no leadership. And I'm upset with our local, our national, and, and even a little bit of our president. I'm, I'm very disappointed that there hasn't been more of something to, to javanize the country after we had such a great weekend. <laughs> and so um, I think there might be a spike. I wouldn't be surprised. But I also think those individuals on Facebook and even some some first responders I've seen on Facebook that are just are are so are are waiting for there to be a second spike to say I told you so is is disgusting and is not is not beneficial whatsoever. You're just you're showing your colors of being honest, you're being a dick. Hey now. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Kyle and Corona Vanish or Coronavirus? Uh Corona Vanish, honestly. Uh so I will say that I think their position as far as not talking about that as opposed to the current situation with George Floyd can be came by honestly. I think that you can triage your, your level of priority for things. And I think the fact that it's gone away completely is dishonest, but the fact that it's not been the front seat is honest. Um, I genuinely hope this is an experiment in proving that uh, the coronavirus is not spread or spiked as easily as, as we hope. Um, only time can tell. I don't want to speculate on things we're not going to know, but uh, I think it can be an, a position honestly come by. What do you think? Well, again, I think you know that uh, really this is this is going to be a revelation. I think uh, after all of this, that um, maybe this wasn't as transmittable as people expected. Uh, maybe locking people up in their houses, you know, for the past three months, like they did uh, in, throughout New York City, wasn't an effective strategy. Uh, Chris Chambers, uh, I know this is probably, uh, you know, the last thing, you know, that anybody's thinking about in the midst of uh, what's happening right now, you know, but uh, I, you know, in watching the videos and the pictures come out from these protests uh, and the riots, uh, they, there seems to be very few masks in the crowd. Uh, and so do you think this is going to be a, a bigger problem down the road? 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny how coronavirus just disappeared all of a sudden. I was starting to think that the protesters and the rioters and everybody else must have had a vaccine that we didn't get our hands on. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I think coronavirus is an issue. I, I think it's, it's been uh, it, it's been kind of uh, built up by the media, but, but you know, with all the protests and everything going on this weekend, I, I was a little confused. Even here in Tampa with some of the, the restrictions that we had on businesses and, and, and restaurants and so forth, but when it comes to protesting, it's like, all right, let's everybody get together and, and do that. So uh, I, I expect a spike, but I, I don't think it's going to be this big massive where people are, are dying left and right. But but it's funny how, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, we couldn't go out, we couldn't leave our house, but now it's okay to, to protest. So I did feel a little, little some type of way about that, how uh, the coronavirus was, was easily diminished when, you know, the next new thing hops up in the news. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, but like you said, uh, some, some of the, the, the first responders and, and, and elected officials saying, waiting for that, I told you so minute. I, that I told you so moment. I, I think that's disgusting. Uh, I think we'll have a spike, but I don't think it's going to be uh, like these people are projecting or or are or wanting to have them happen, so they can just be right. Yeah. Well, and and hopefully that's not the case, right? You know, we hope that uh, we don't see the spike. We hope that uh, we continue to see the drop in numbers. Uh, as is happening nationally and certainly here in Florida. Um, let's go ahead and move on to really what seems almost like an alternate universe, uh, you know, given what's been going on these past few days. But uh, the new space race, um, if it even is a, a space race at this point, uh, but, you know, uh, Elon Musk, SpaceX, and NASA really stepped up big this weekend with a successful launch of the Dragon 9 uh, space rocket. Uh, successfully getting uh, our American astronauts back into space and uh, and already having connected with the International Space Station. So all around, just a flawless mission so far. Uh, it's been, it was incredibly inspirational and uh, exciting to watch. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, it was a celebration, I feel, that was muted uh, because of the, the problems that we're also dealing with as a nation. Uh, this is something, in my opinion, that should have taken place a long time ago, this private-public uh, partnership between uh, NASA and uh, now the space industry. Um, uh, Chris or Kylan, uh, did you watch the space launch? I mean, really, you know, do you, do you feel that this kind of puts us back into our prominent spot of uh, being, you know, the, the leading country in the world when it comes to technology and, and, and space and, and this sort of uh, endeavor? Well... I think that we fell out of our spot, honestly. Uh, we had a tragedy and that kind of stalled our, our progress into the space exploration. Um, I think that we've risen like a phoenix out of the ashes. I think that we never really lost our spot as far as being prominent. We just took a pause on doing some things ourselves. Um, it's great to see that we have private industry being involved in something like this because A, our tax dollars are being used more efficiently now. We have private industry making money off this or uh, you know, making this not just a suck on the, on the tax the tax dollar. Um, and I think that they can do a better job of utilizing the space exploration for public advantage. I think this will result in more products, more services that end up making our lives better. So it's excellent. Um, I did try to watch the, the shuttle launch. I went over to, uh, to Gandhi Beach. Unfortunately, it's a bit cloudy. I could not see it, but I was able to watch it. Um, I uh, used my DVR to watch it just after the, I came back from Gandhi Beach. 
and uh, it, it was really something. For everything to go off that a hitch, honestly, I had I was holding my breath the entire time I was listening, listening to the broadcast because I mean it, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous endeavor. So I was just praying that everything went well and watching that 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 first stage touchdown on that automated barge and watching the guys lose uh, come free from the grip of gravity and then dock the uh, the spacecraft later. It, it was amazing, and I think it really, it shows me we're part of as Americans, and it's, it's great to be back in space, I guess. Yeah, Anibal, go ahead. So I'll say this. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I watched on Wednesday, or Wednesday or Thursday, and I was disappointed they didn't go off, but again, it shows how responsible these organizations, these public and private um, joint efforts are when it comes to making sure no matter what the safety of the crew, the safety of those on the ground, the safety of the equipment comes first. It doesn't matter. And that was something I was concerned. It doesn't matter if the president flies down to see it. It's, if it doesn't, if it doesn't qualify, it doesn't hit all the right marks, they're going to scrub it. So I was glad for that. Uh, the wife and I saw it on our, our, our cell phones because we live in Tampa. We weren't able to see it outside. Uh, we were sitting in the West Tampa uh, sandwich shop watching it, and it was it was really exciting to see everyone in the in the room just really be excited for that moment. It brought all of us together. I thought that was great. Again, I do agree that it was overshadowed by what happened afterwards. But I will say this: the uh, budgetary reasons for why they did what needed to get done. It was costing almost ninety million dollars per seat per astronaut going out of the Soyuz when it comes to going to pay Russia that price was uh, constantly increasing because you know they're just trying to get us more get more money out of us and of course why why not they're the only ones sending people back so you have a you have a monopoly on the commodity of uh, you have a monopoly so of course you're going to jack up the prices this allows for a new dawn in the space race when it comes to private entities when it comes to lockheed martins the Bo the boeings the the race of the billionaires when it comes to virgin and and uh, um and amazon and and Elon Musk, just to see that kind of race. And it's almost like what it might have felt like when electricity started going to people's homes and seeing the, the, the race with Tesla and seeing the race with all the others trying to put electricity in people's homes and seeing how the world changed. This will change the way we go forward in the future. It will reduce costs when it comes to, to going to space and, and doing other things. And I'm so excited for that because the line that I still, that I still remember every single day, especially now, that we're talking more about space, is Americans manifest destiny to the stars. It is still my favorite line from the, from the State of the Union. It is still my favorite line for 2020, and it is reigning true, something that we should have been focusing on for decades. We are now focusing now, and I give all the kudos to the president. Uh, most things when it comes to the United States, uh, you know, we certainly take a lot of pride in our independence. And I know that it was a sore subject, you know, for us to have to hitch a ride, especially from the Russians, uh, given our, even our current relationship with them. Uh, but I think I read somewhere that uh, even just getting stuff to the International Space Station um, on a Boeing rocket was costing, like you said, somewhere around $90 million dollars. Um, and using SpaceX's reusable rockets uh, was virtually cutting that price in half. Uh, and so the fact that uh, now, the, you know, what, what was merely a vision and a test model has now come to fruition is, is unbelievable. And I mean, I could sit here for a whole nother hour and kind of pick apart all the cool stuff from the, the astronauts uh, driving up in Teslas and, you know, the, the spacesuits, which I like. A lot of people don't like them, but I like the spacesuits. You know, the, the whole experience was cool. Chris, uh, 
from from your perspective again what you know what did you think about the, the launch you know i mean was it you know did you take some time to watch it or did, you know was were you was you, were you kind of focused on you know the other things that are going on right now you know, Jonathan, in this day and age with, you know, new news coming at us every five minutes, you have to be able to multitask. But yes, you know, me and my daughter watched the launch. It was, it was amazing to see her excited over the launch and running to the window trying to look for the shuttle going on. And I think it was a historic moment. Uh, uh, more, more importantly, you know, I used to be stationed in Cape Canaveral, Science of Space Transportation System back in uh, 08, 09. And just when, when, that, when that program left the Cape, you know, it, it, was, it was a huge economic impact to the area. And just to see uh, it being that, that public-private uh, partnership uh, from an economic aspect, bring a lot of those jobs back, uh, a lot of people working in that area, I, I just think that's amazing. I'm happy to see that. And then you have all the other aspects of it as, as well. You know, we're kind of getting our, our independence in that, in that space domain back. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, ditto to what Chris and, and I, Anibal said, and uh, I, I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. And I just think it wouldn't be possible without that, that, that public-private partnership. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, easing some of the financial constraints on the government, letting the private uh, partnership step in and, and kind of manage it. And I think it's been a success. Well, I, you made a great point, which was the gutting, you know, and the devastating effect that uh, having shut down the shuttle program, you know, in, in that part of the state, you know, had on that community. Uh, and then, you know, it's so exciting to kind of almost see it now double down because, you know, of course, SpaceX being the current darling, you know, you also have Blue Origin, you know, you have now this massive space industry that is burgeoning throughout various parts of the country but especially right here in Florida, given, you know, our geographic, uh, you know, uh, uh, just, uh, I don't even want to know what to call it, luck, I guess, you know, in all of this, uh, you know, uh, being that, you know, we're just such a prime location for this type of industry, you know, I think is going to have huge uh, repercussions economically, you know, down the road as this continues to be just an exploding industry uh, globally. Uh, and uh, to see SpaceX be successful again, you know, those are a lot of Florida men and women. Uh, you know, we get we get a lot of a lot of flack, you know, for making the weird news and all these kind of crazy things happening in Florida. But you know, right now uh, between uh, Mickey Mouse and and SpaceX, I mean, uh, Florida's looking pretty good. <laughs> so, all right, we're gonna jump into uh, what. Uh, normally would be a, a much deeper topic, but we're gonna try to tackle it here um, in uh, just the, the minutes that we have left in the show. Thank you everybody for watching. Uh, please uh, support the show by hitting that share button, subscribe button, uh, or just uh, subscribing to the uh, audio version of the podcast on Google, uh, sorry, Google, Apple, and Spotify platforms. Um, we appreciate you so much for watching week after week here uh, on the Yard Sign uh, this is a topic near and dear to Enable's heart, <laughs> uh, who we kind of consider a foreign policy expert uh, here on the show. Uh, but Hong Kong, you know, while the rest of the world is distracted by the riots and the protests, not to diminish that, but while we are focused on the protests and the riots and the things happening here in our country, uh, over in China, uh, also experiencing, uh, you know, just a, a big shift in the politics there and uh, what could be a, a huge milestone uh, for China's future 
uh, and Evil, you know, I know you're watching this closer than anyone. Uh, give us some background on exactly what's happening in China as of late, and uh, we'll get into obviously what that means for the rest of us uh, down the stretch. So like any good American, no one is paying attention when it comes to what's happening in Hong Kong. We were, the world was, I would say Americans are more focused on the protesting and the world is more, pro, is more focused on coronavirus and trying to figure out how to do that. What China spent three decades building up goodwill, um, building out the, the, the road and, and, and rails, um, networking a road and port situation around the world has been completely decimated in three months. China is in a in such a particular position at the moment. They are finding that um, they are not very good at math when it came to the one-child policy after 30 years of that, and that they've de de decimated their middle class. What's, com what's coming down the pike now, because we're freaking out with 40 million people unemployed, well, how does a country work with uh, a quarter of a, uh, uh, how, how does a country work when it's up to 200 million people unemployed in China? So the, the things that are acerbating their country is on such a higher level that the government itself is trying to figure out, well, how do we combat this situation? When we know we're not going to be able to spend our way out of it, because that's what they've been doing for the last 30 years, is that the Chinese government did not see the money and even economic development as a beneficial for the country, but it was a beneficial for control. Now, what's coming down the pike is they need to start consolidating their, their power. And the easiest way to do that is to build out nationalism. At the moment, China has made the decision, the people, the CCP has made the decision to enforce um, strict rules when it comes to Hong Kong's rule. There's always been a two-system, one-country policy when it comes to how Hong Kong was ruled, and that uh, last week went up in flames. The, the way the U.S. and the State Department now looks at Hong Kong is no longer favorable, and they will, be re, re, um, they will probably be losing their special economic zone um, category when it comes to doing business, which means that banks, multinational companies that have been using China, Hong Kong as a gateway into, into China will no longer be allowed to, to run the funds that they're able to, which will be beneficial for Tokyo, uh, Singapore, and other local financial hubs. This um, removes completely any notion that there's now a two-part, there's a two-system um, in China. And this is just a prelude. Uh, seeing what happens here will then draw into what happens to Taiwan. Because again, China, Hong Kong and China were always going to be one, one at the end of the day. It's just we're fast-forwarding two decades of what would come down the pike. And to see what's happening now, I think what needs to occur is that we should start allowing, what Australia is wanting to do is start allowing for refugees to come out of Hong Kong. Americans pull out the support when it comes to the economic development to allow Hong Kongers to be able to make the decision that they want to. Any kind of reversal is going to, going to come on the hands of blood being shed in the streets of Hong Kong. That's just the bottom line. There's no peaceful diplomatic way out of this. And that's what's really upsetting a lot of people is that no matter what, yes, the Brits are going to make a comment. They try to bring it up to the UN, but the UN is, is nothing because it's, it's, there's, no, there's no way out of it because China can just veto whatever they want to because they're part of the, the Security Council. So what we see now is just a, a breakdown of what Hong Kong is going to look like. It will no longer look like what we have seen in the past. It's going to be different. 
people will be arrested. I mean, over 800 people were arrested in the last month because of protesting. And unless it gets violent, there's going to be no change. It's, it's a dictator uh, situation that's trying to consolidate power. And the best way to do that is to nationalize the people. And how you do that is take Hong Kong. I mean, given what happened with the coronavirus just now, I mean, uh, to me, it seems like at least in regards to the United States, that they're just digging themselves a deeper hole by doing this uh, because it makes the United States want to push itself even farther away, you know, from certainly China and now Hong Kong. Uh, I mean, do they think that the other countries around the world are just going to turn a cheek and and accept this uh, for the new normal? So we... We didn't do anything with uh, Tibet. We've done nothing with um, work camps for the Uyghur population in northern parts of China. We've done absolutely nothing with them building um, islands in the in the reefs of the China Sea. It's it's not like this is something that's, that people thought was not going to come down the pike. The moment that Hong Kong uh, was able to push back and not allow for extradition to be out of into mainland China, the Chinese, the CCP realized that their local officials have lost control of the people of Hong Kong. And again, the only, we've seen this, this is Tiananmen Square. This can, we can easily have a repeat of what happens. And yes, you can say that they'll lose support around the world and that's, that's fine, they don't care. The, the Chinese government, the CCP, is looking for a way to survive the next, this, this decade. I've already said it multiple times on the show, China will not look the same within the, tw- within the, the 20s. We will see a radical change in the next 10 years or even more. And I think it's going to be faster than not because this, the coronavirus fast forwarded all that is happening in, in China. The neighbors are, up, are in an uproar from Korea to Australia to the Philippines of how they've handled this. China's picking a fight with India. Again, the only logical reason is because China wants there to be, wants to survive and the only way you do that is that you nationalize it. You, you, you radically nationalize the country to where it's, it's them versus me. And that's how you survive the next 10 years of crippling economic uh, devaluation, the removal of billions of billions of America, trillions of dollars when it comes to consumers, the rise of the American reindustrialization, and how uh, America is their number one trading post. But when you start picking fights with Canada, you know you're losing. In, in the, you're losing. And that's because they want to consolidate power within their own borders. Uh, Chris Chambers, I mean, again, you know, we see the China sentiment changing quite a bit, you know, because uh, all indications point right back, you know, to Wuhan and the Chinese government when it comes to this coronavirus, uh, you know, whether or not it was created in a lab. (coughs) It was still the originating point for, for this global health crisis. Um, Do you see this as an incident that uh, foreign powers are going to get involved, or is this going to be, you know, one of those situations, as Anibal just said, where uh, the, the United States and other countries are just going to look the other way? No, I, I think this is a first step for, for the, the Chinese government being held accountable uh, for the Wuhan virus and, and that whole, whatever it was, conspiracy in a lab, in a meat shop, whatever. But I think the numbers were, were screwed from the, from the beginning. They, they were not upfront and truthful about how many people was infected and had they been, uh, regardless how it started, it, it could have prevented uh, you know, uh, the hundreds of thousands of lives that's being lost. So I just think the United States is, is, is uh, President Trump is gonna take that bold first step. And, and I'm hoping that you see other, other countries follow suit and, 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 and hold the Chinese government accountable. I mean, what they've done is it impacted the entire world. 
and, and, and they, they, they must be held accountable, whether it be through sanctions or, or other means. Uh, Chris or Kylan, uh, do you see it as a possibility for us to uh, sever ties with China, or is this going to be just uh, social distancing in a globally economic way where we're just going to keep ourselves, you know, uh, far enough apart to be safe, but close enough to uh, still need some of the services and resources that they provide? Well, I think morally, we have to distance ourselves from them. We cannot continue to support the Chinese government because, frankly, what they've done is unacceptable, and they have proven themselves to be evil at every step that they've taken in the last forever. Um, what really makes me sad it, for Hong Kong in particular is to see individual liberties die. Um, so as an American, and you know, we, we complain about the things that we see in American politics, uh, redistributionist policies, some uh, civil liberties things that we encounter, and they're so minor compared to what people that live in Hong Kong right now are going to experience. And I can't imagine just one person experiencing the crushing thumb of the Chinese government, uh, let alone tens of millions of people. So it's, it's so sad. And unfortunately, the rectification of the situation is going to be divestment from China, dissociation of our governments, and because the government is so intertwined with every, every operations of the people there, people are going to suffer because we have to dissociate from Chinese government. So it's a bad solution for a bad problem, and I, I hope that there is a, a way where we can have actual Chinese people, not the government, because there's dissociation, they're not the same thing, um, we can have the, the Chinese people somehow not suffer as bad as they would during this, this phase of punishing the Chinese government. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of these things that we're going to continue to uh, be watching and it would be sad, you know, to certainly lose that piece of uh, quasi-democracy that we have there, uh, certainly from a capitalist standpoint in Hong Kong, uh, you know, when uh, we see so much oppression happening not only throughout China, but, you know, other parts of Asia as well. Uh, North Korea, of course, uh, not to uh, be left behind uh, in, in these conversations. Um, guys, you know, obviously a lot of heavy topics today, but I appreciate you coming on and uh, be willing to talk about them. It certainly won't be the last time that, you know, we discuss these issues uh, as these events continue to unfold. Um, you know, we, it's, it's certainly unfortunate to see what's happening uh, throughout the country, you know, but uh, it's one of these things where you can hope that it, it brings about the change that it's intended to, and and hopefully the message doesn't get lost along the way. Um, any closing statements? Uh, let's start off with you, Anibal. Closing statements. I am very excited for churches to be uh, reopening. I I think that is a way for people to start uh, another way for people to show their, express their emotions, express another outlet. And something that I really think that is, um, that needs to be put into perspective is that uh, what has galvanized a lot of people is the, the social media, the fact that we've been in isolation for 70 days, and then the fact that we have almost 40 million people unemployed. I, I'm not really that surprised that this is now the outcome that has occurred because of all those factors. And, and I won't be surprised if this continues down the pike a little just because of, of all the factors coming down to where we're at right now and people taking advantage of that. And I, and I really hope that local and state officials can, can step up 
and become the adults that they told us that they would be when we elected them into office and and actually bring back rule of law when it comes to the day-to-day -day operations of citizens and their main objective is to keep the citizens safe that's what you were elected to do and if you're not doing it then you need to step aside right. great points Anibal. uh christopher kylan closing thought so i know that i'm wearing a, a vest and i have washington burning behind me I don't think this is funny at all. It's a really sad state of America, and I hope that we have our law enforcement and our government crack down on these bastards that are doing the things that are undermining the public discourse and making everyone's life unsafe. I hate the fact that I have to worry about my fiance going to work in the morning in downtown Tampa and what might happen to her because of someone that doesn't understand how to pursue discourse civilly. Um, I want to recognize and remember the people that have lost their lives so far because of this that were totally innocent. The DHS officer in California, the man that was beaten to death or nearly to death in Dallas uh, because he wanted to defend his business from looters. So I think that it'll be easy to forget that or look over those people because of the larger uh, conversation being had. But by all means, don't. This is, this is sad. We need a better way forward. Um, I'd love to, with any community leaders that, that talk, come out, talk about a better way forward. Um, anyway, I hope we can have better news next week. I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. And Chris Chambers, uh, you know, uh, just before we let you kind of have the final word here in today's episode, uh, again, I appreciate you willing to come on and having a frank conversation about what's going on. And uh, I think all of us, you know, can continue to learn, you know, again, about how, uh, you know, all of us, you know, in this community at large, you know, have our own challenges and our, and our own uh, issues, you know, but certainly in times like this, um, it helps to, to gain, you know, a personal perspective uh, because, again, this is something that uh, I, I, it's just been snowballing, you know, and, I, and until something is done about it, you know, I don't know that we'll, we'll see an, an end to incidents like this. And, and it really takes everyone learning from these types of incidents, uh, you know, for us to be able to institute positive change. So, Chris, uh, on that note, again, thanks for being on the show. What are your closing thoughts for today? Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me again. Uh, you know, just kind of similar, echoing what I, what I started the show off with. You know, right now we're in, a, we're in a trying time in America, and I know we can get through this, but first we, we definitely need to address the, the underlying issues here at hand. And I just want, you know, everybody, you know, I, I've had, you know, some of my white friends call me even this morning, like, hey, you know, like, what the hell is going on in America? You know, I feel I'm living in a bubble. And, then, and I said, you know, uh, it's good that they call me when I have those tough, uncomfortable, com uncomfortable conversations, because you know, uh, people deal with racism. Some people handle it one way. Some people handle it another. You know, I, I deal with like racism. You know, I'm not the one just called a race car, but I, I have and I will if I truly felt that I was going through something that was, that was based on on my race. But we just need to get to the issues in America and start having these open, open, candid conversations, and all learn how we can improve and get better and just make this country better. But, uh, and it starts with us, each and every one of us. We can't rely on anybody else to come in and fix our community. We have to do it ourselves. All right. Thanks again uh, for joining us, all of you guys, for taking the time to do the show today. This has been another episode of The Yard Sign, uh, the most important and relevant podcast in politics. We appreciate you for watching. 
please leave us comments, feedback, uh, you know, throughout any of our social media platforms. We'd love to hear from you. Hopefully we will be back next week with a uh, much lighter list of topics, uh, you know, uh, but uh, we certainly are uh, praying for everybody uh, in the midst of all this. So certainly uh, for those that are out there fighting, you know, for uh, their voices to be heard. And, uh, and, and again, it's one of the beautiful things about this country that we do have the right to protest um, and and it's unfortunate to see others trying to capitalize and uh, trying to take advantage of that First Amendment privilege. Uh, and so on that note, uh, thank you so much for watching, and we hope to see you next week. Bye, everybody.